Pilot Kenneth Arnold's mission on June 24, 1947, was to find a lost Marine Corps plane that went down near Mount Rainier. Out of the corner of his eye, he noticed bright flashes of light. With a slight turn of his head, something below came into view. Nine shining silvery disks were flying toward the mountain. He estimated that each was 40 or 50 feet wide. They had no wings, rotors, or visible engines, and they moved unlike anything he'd ever seen. As Arnold told a reporter, the aircraft seemed to hop from one mountain peak to another like, quote, a saucer skipping across water. The story made headlines across the country, and flying saucer became a household term overnight. It didn't matter that the Air Force responded to the publicity with scorn and derision. Even though they dismissed Arnold's sighting and refused to investigate, public interest mounted. And by the end of 1947, hundreds of flying saucer reports had streamed into police stations and overwhelmed local news desks. America's obsession with unidentified flying objects, or UFOs, had begun. Behind closed doors, the military rushed to understand the phenomenon. They established secret programs to study and categorize UFOs. But in public, they maintained the same hardened face as always, doubt. For the next 70 years, the military threw its effort behind debunking any unusual phenomenon. They gave plausible explanations for flying objects, and anyone who disagreed was branded as gullible, misinformed, or worse. But in June 2021, there was a complete change of attitude. For the first time in history, the U.S. government admitted a groundbreaking revelation. UFOs are real. Welcome to Conspiracy Theories, a Spotify original from ParCast. Every Monday and Wednesday, we dig into the complicated stories behind the world's most controversial events and search for the truth. I'm Carter Roy. And I'm Molly Brandenburg. And neither of us are conspiracy theorists. But we are open-minded, skeptical, and curious. Don't get us wrong. Sometimes the official version is the truth. But sometimes it's not. You can find episodes of Conspiracy Theories and all other Spotify originals from ParCast for free on Spotify. This is our first episode on UFO government surveillance. Ever since the 1940s, the U.S. government has researched strange objects in the skies. And for years, officials behind the scenes worked to keep the public in the dark. But now, with the release of an official report on UFOs, the veil may have been lifted. In this episode, we'll briefly trace the history of federally funded UFO research in America. Then, we'll dive into how the government's stance on the objects has changed over the past few years and dissect the revelations found in the June 2021 UFO report. Next time, we'll examine three conspiracies related to the report. Like that it's a smokescreen to hide how much the government really knows. 
or that the government has used UFOs as an excuse to spy on ordinary Americans, and finally, that the military might be using a private organization to control the flow of UFO-related information. We have all that and more coming up. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Bottling everything up can be really bad for you in the long run and have some terrible consequences. And this isn't a conspiracy theory. The more you let things build up, the more of a toll it can take on your mental health. I know for me, in dealing with some traumatic events in my life, I had the tendency to think, well, they've already happened. I'm okay. Other people have it worse. It doesn't matter much. And through therapy, was really able to understand how those events impacted me and changed how I'd start to see the world in ways that weren't great and were sometimes making my life worse. So therapy or dealing with any traumatic events you've had might really help you in terms of how you can live in the present moment now. So if you want to give therapy a try, check out BetterHelp. It's entirely online, convenient, and flexible. It's also really easy to get started. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com conspiracy today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash conspiracy. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Hola. Hello, this call is being translated. Abuela, listen to what my phone can do. Abuela, escucha lo que mi teléfono puede hacer. Wow, ahora dime sobre tu novia nueva. Wow, now tell me about this new girlfriend. Huh? Tú sabes lo que dije. You know what I said. Language is no longer a barrier, thanks to Live Translate with Galaxy AI on Samsung Galaxy S24 Ultra. Learn more at Samsung.com. Samsung account login required. Calls must be made using the native Samsung dialer. The term UFO is often synonymous with aliens, but it's actually a lot more broad. It refers to anything in the sky that we can't identify. And when the UFO panic began in the early days of the Cold War, it wasn't the prospect of aliens that terrified the U.S. military. It was the Soviet Union. There was a pervasive fear that the USSR had military technology that surpassed America's own. And pilot Kenneth Arnold's sighting offered proof that it had. By mapping and timing out the disk's flight, he estimated that the aircraft sped across the sky at 1,700 miles per hour. That's faster than any American aircraft at that time. If the vehicles were Soviet-made, that meant America's enemy was light years ahead. Not only could the Soviets spy on top-secret military bases without being detected, they might be able to bomb any city in the U.S. and flee before anyone knew what happened. This was a nightmare scenario in Washington. Cold War paranoia had already set in, and many U.S. leaders were convinced the USSR would annihilate America if given the chance. Something had to be done to protect our national security interests before it was too late. There was a glaring hole in this theory, though. No one knew for sure that UFOs were Soviet aircraft. 
So, in 1948, the United States Air Force created a secret unit to study UFOs. Their objective was three-pronged. To determine if these unidentified craft were real, if they were Soviet-made, and if they posed a threat. They codenamed the team Project Sign. The investigators on Project Sign were a group of intelligence officers borrowed from several agencies. And even without adequate funding, they managed to gather almost 500 reports of UFO sightings. To the military's relief, their fears of a Soviet invasion proved unfounded. Classified intelligence showed that the USSR simply didn't have the same capabilities as America at that time. But the United States still had a big problem, determining what the objects were and where they came from. Some UFO reports described aircraft speeding at over a thousand miles per hour and making incredibly sharp turns. To make sense of this, Project Sign enlisted the help of world-class chemists, physicists, and astronomers. The experts broke down the sightings into different categories, like natural phenomena, hoaxes, misidentified aircraft, and mass hysteria. But they couldn't debunk every encounter. In 1948, Project Sign investigators allegedly concluded that, in some instances, extraterrestrial technology was at play. Unfortunately, the memo showing evidence of these claims has long since gone missing. Also convenient, according to journalist Leslie Kane, was the fact that the Air Force's chief of staff rejected this theory. He felt it lacked evidence. If there was an alien ship in the sky, he wanted to see it for himself. In February 1949, Project Sign was renamed Project Grudge. And now, rather than investigating UFO reports as possible security concerns, the team's mission was to treat them as false stories to be debunked. The military felt the change was warranted. Within the upper echelons, there was a belief that UFO sightings, real or not, could be weaponized for Soviet disinformation. They took recent cultural examples as proof that Americans could be frightened by things they didn't understand. The 1938 radio broadcast of Orson Welles' The War of the Worlds allegedly created panic because people believed the program was real and that the United States was under attack by Martians. I can say it now. It's a white handkerchief tied to a pole, flag of truce. Those creatures know what that means. What anything means. Something's happening. Humped shakers rising out of the pit. And make out a small beam of light against the mirror. What's that? There's a jet of flame springing from the mirror that leaps right at the advancing men. He strikes them head on. The Lord's attorney of the flames. The whole field caught up by the woods of fires. There's gas tanks, tanks of the automobiles spreading everywhere. Coming this way now, about 20 yards to my right. Intelligence officials feared the same thing could happen again. If the Soviets orchestrated a similar performance to incite chaos while they launched a real first strike. So Project Grudge, backed by a PR team, would find a way to rationally explain every UFO sighting as something else, something normal and ordinary. If a soldier reported lights in the sky, the people at Grudge said it was a meteor 
If a sighting became public knowledge, the Air Force claimed to have already investigated it. And to further bury any doubt, they released a report in December 1949 that debunked UFOs entirely. But that didn't mean UFOs went away. Unidentified aircraft continued to be spotted by military and civilian observers alike. And by 1951, there was a sighting so extraordinary that the project had no choice but to confront it. On September 10th, an Army radar operator at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base was demonstrating the military's equipment for a group of senior officers. At 11.10 a.m., the machine picked up an object flying faster than it could register. The object was only about six miles away, moving north. The operator tried to locate it, but the radar dish couldn't move quickly enough. Three minutes later, the UFO disappeared from the screen. Half an hour later, a T-33 fighter jet pilot spotted a silver disc flying below him. As he approached, though, the disc did a 120-degree turn and sped off. And the next morning, two more radar operators observed a strange object doing nosedives above New Jersey. By the time the base could get a jet in the air, though, the thing was already gone. The amount of activity, all within less than 24 hours, prompted the Director of Air Force Intelligence to demand a special briefing from the Project Grudge staff. In turn, the group calmly explained to him that the sightings had to be human error. They must have assumed he wanted a cover story rather than an actual explanation, but the director was furious. Not only was their investigation shoddy and haphazard, the group itself seemed to be barely functioning. He realized that Project Grudge had deteriorated into a sloppy operation that only debunked sightings on a superficial level. So the director pulled a few strings and appointed a man named Captain Edward Ruppelt to take over the team. In March 1952, Project Grudge became Project Blue Book. The rebranding came at an opportune time. The summer of 1952 saw a new wave of UFO sightings that made headlines and shook the military. Normally, the staff working on these sightings could expect to collect about one report per UFO sighting every couple of days. In April 1952, though, that increased to several per day. By July, they were receiving over 20 reports a day. The most publicized events took place on July 19th and 26th of 1952 in Washington, D.C., Radar operators observed unidentified objects hovering over the Capitol building and the White House late at night. Which was pretty surprising. Washington was considered restricted airspace, and no unauthorized aircraft were allowed to pass through at any time. So the Air Force scrambled F-94 Starfire jets to intercept the objects. If any U.S. vehicle could catch the objects, it was these top-of-the-line fighter planes which could top out at just under 700 miles per hour. But the objects apparently sped by them at 7,000 miles per hour. There was no chance. Thousands of people saw the flying objects, and some even photographed them. One air traffic controller said they looked like orange balls of fire. Word of the sighting spread around the mid-Atlantic. 
To quell the panic, America's top generals held a press conference on July 29th. They told reporters that the lights were just stars and the radar blips were simply a weather phenomenon. It was an explanation so ridiculous that no one should have believed it. But after hearing it enough, many people did. The military couldn't rest on that lie, though, especially if a similar event occurred in the future. And behind the scenes, they had very little information about these phenomena. While Blue Book had collected around 1,000 UFO reports just that year from military personnel, there was an unsettling percentage they couldn't explain. Investigators had no explanation for nearly one-fifth of the sightings. The Air Force's floundering opened up a critical opportunity for the CIA. Since the agency had been collecting its own UFO reports for years, now there was room for it to create a special project to parallel the efforts of Blue Book. And maybe they'd come closer to putting a name to the objects hovering over the country. Coming up, a top-secret UFO research team makes headlines. The most urgent mysteries in the world are missing persons cases. The stakes are too high not to pursue every plausible possibility. And some implausible ones, too. I'm Sarah Turney, host of the new podcast, Disappearances. In 2020, after spending years searching for the truth, I use social media to help bring justice to my sister Alyssa's nearly two decades long disappearance. Now, every Thursday on Spotify, I'm exploring the many reasons people disappear and the impact their absences can have on those left behind. From child abductions and mystifying murders to those who took drastic measures to start over, each episode of Disappearances journeys through a different high-profile missing persons case, ripped from the headlines and ripe for explanation. Because no one just vanishes into thin air. The answers are out there, waiting to be found. Follow the Spotify original from Parcast Disappearances. Hear a new episode every Thursday, free and only on Spotify. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. And now, back to the story. In 1952, the CIA stepped in to help track America's unidentified flying objects, after Army officials had been left scrambling to explain a wave of sightings, the CIA collected a group of scientists to lead its own investigation into the question of UFOs and where they came from. This advisory panel was led by Dr. Howard P. Robertson, a mathematician and physicist at both Caltech and Princeton. Over four days, the scientists listened while Captain Edward Ruppelt and others presented their evidence. But according to some who were present, the experts had their minds made up before the panel even started. They weren't convinced of any sort of legitimacy. The CIA was actually more concerned that UFO sightings were having a residual effect on normal intelligence channels, specifically clogging them up. 
This could be dire should the Soviets actually decide to attack America. The CIA's hope was that by handpicking its own scientists, they might be able to do what Project Grudge failed to, debunk UFOs once and for all. Perhaps unsurprisingly, the panel declared unequivocally that UFOs pose no threat to national security, nor was there any proof of extraterrestrial involvement. Therefore, further study of them was a waste of time. The panel recommended that Project Blue Book dedicate its efforts to keeping public confidence strong by debunking sightings as they arose. If something was thought to be a UFO, it would be explained as an ordinary event, like a lightning strike or meteor. For the next 15 years, this strategy worked like a charm. That is, until March of 1966. That spring, multiple people in Dexter, Michigan, saw a car-sized pyramid flying overhead. It floated up and down, changing colors as it went. To onlookers, it was clearly solid, which made it all the more unbelievable when Blue Book later claimed it was actually a cloud of methane. The story became known as swamp gas and cast a disreputable shadow over Project Blue Book's work. Even future president Gerald Ford demanded a better explanation. But not even the budding politician's input could sway the government to take UFOs more seriously. After a less-than-thorough investigation, the Air Force decided that Blue Book was more trouble than it was worth. In 1969, the program was shuttered for good. Officially, the military was out of the UFO hunting game, although several agencies, like the FBI, continued to gather reports on an ad hoc basis. So, over the next several decades, private citizens filled the void. They investigated dozens of high-profile UFO sightings, including a wave of light seen by hundreds of people near Phoenix, Arizona in 1997. However, to be a citizen sleuth often meant remaining on the fringes of society. This was partially due to the stigma created by Project Blue Book. As part of the campaign to discredit UFOs, believers were often portrayed as misinformed or maladjusted. There was also the fact that the UFO community often had crossover with investigating other controversial phenomena, like alien abductions, crop circles, and Bigfoot. Together, a derisive attitude took hold. UFOs were taboo in society and in the government. That stigma further squashed discussion of the subject in Congress. No one wanted to risk their political career by associating with supposed alien abductees and conspiracy theorists. But an explosive report in 2017 proved that a few senators were brave enough to take that risk for the benefit of changing the conversations around UFOs forever. Legitimizing the discussion of UFOs goes back to one of the most committed UFO enthusiasts of the 21st century, tech billionaire Robert Bigelow. From a young age, Bigelow was obsessed with UFOs and later used his considerable wealth to fund paranormal research. By the early 2000s, he'd secured a contract to sift through UFO reports from federal aviation staff. 
Then, in 2007, he invited a senior Defense Department official to Skinwalker Ranch, a 500-acre patch of land he owned in northeastern Utah, which is known for its history of bizarre phenomena. Supposedly, the official saw paranormal activity firsthand at the ranch. When he returned to Washington, he was so convinced that he sent a memo up the chain of command, asking the government to fund an investigation. That memo landed on the desk of then-Nevada Senator Harry Reid. Reid was already familiar with Skinwalker Ranch. He'd already read a book about its UFO activity. And after seeing the memo, he felt it was worth setting up a meeting with the book's author and Robert Bigelow. Together, they hatched a plan to create the Advanced Aviation Threat Identification Program, or ATIP. Reed went on to convince two other senators to fund the program using off-the-books cash known as black money. That money went to one of Bigelow's companies and was overseen by Defense Department officials. Those within ATIP interviewed witnesses and visited alleged UFO crash sites in search of exotic materials. For five years, the project remained classified, unknown to almost everyone inside and out of the government, including the Pentagon. But in 2010, an intelligence officer named Luis Elizondo took over ATIP. As a self-professed skeptic, he was shocked by what he discovered. Elizondo later said, quote, There are about 100-some odd cases out there that are compelling enough that are definitely displaying some sort of capability, technology that we don't have. Secondly, we don't know what these things are. According to Elizondo, UFOs had taken a particular interest in nuclear technology. He even knew of some cases where an unknown object had actually shut down nuclear technology. In his mind, anything that had the power to do that could just as easily have set a nuclear missile off. It terrified him. But further investigation was sidelined. Soon after, in 2012, the ATIP ran out of funding and the program officially ended. Elizondo continued working on it in his spare time, but he grew increasingly frustrated. He yearned for the government to be more invested in the threat of UFOs. Otherwise, there was no point in drafting UFO-themed memos that no one actually read. So he reached out to a Defense Department colleague named Christopher Mellon, and together they made their move. Elizondo would use three videos taken by U.S. service members to make his case. In 2017, he found the recordings, which showed aerial objects performing extraordinary feats of speed and maneuverability. These videos are now famously referred to as FLIR, GoFast, and Gimbal. After working to declassify the videos, Elizondo then resigned from the government. And soon after, Mellon arranged a meeting for the two of them and a journalist named Leslie Kane. Kane was a respected reporter who'd already established herself as a UFO believer, in other words, the perfect messenger. Elizondo and Mellon promised Kane a gold mine of UFO intelligence, including documents, testimony, and the three videos. 
In exchange, she was to pitch the story to a high-profile magazine or news outlet. Kane delivered. On December 16, 2017, millions of Americans opened the New York Times. Splashed across the front page was an eye-catching headline, Glowing Auras and Black Money, the Pentagon's Mysterious UFO Program. A similar headline appeared in Politico. Kane's article revealed the history of ATIP using multiple sources. Digital versions of the piece even included the videos, which were able to be quickly shared across social media platforms. On YouTube, they were viewed more than 15 million times. In the blink of an eye, Kane's reporting catapulted UFOs into the spotlight and generated a firestorm of front-page articles on the subject. And for the first time, People in the U.S. Armed Forces spoke openly about unknown objects in the sky. Seeing that more questions were almost certainly waiting in the wings, the Pentagon responded quickly. It assigned a high-ranking civilian intelligence official to oversee the collection of new UFO reports. Meanwhile, Elizondo and Mellon channeled their newfound fame into public visibility. Amidst a swirl of press, they immediately joined the board of a newly formed company called To The Stars Academy of Arts and Sciences. The Academy was the brainchild of Tom DeLong, the lead vocalist for the band Blink-182. DeLong had created the Academy off his belief that extraterrestrials had visited Earth and interfered with humanity since prehistoric times. The Academy was to be a one-stop extraterrestrial shop, staffed with a team of military insiders, occult researchers, and credentialed scientists. In addition to investigating supposed alien encounters, they'd create media in line with their mission, like a UFO documentary series for the History Channel. That show was actually pretty important in the larger conversation about UFOs, it contained confirmation from the pilots who recorded the famous videos that the recordings were indeed authentic. And as talk of UFOs held the media spotlight, another wave of disclosures began. In March of 2018, retired Senator Harry Reid acknowledged his role in founding ATIP. Although he stopped short of saying that extraterrestrial life exists, Reed told reporters that he hoped his actions reduced the public stigma around UFO conversations. To that end, he called for more research and greater transparency from the armed forces. Still, despite Reed's statement and pressure from the public, the Navy initially declined to comment. It took another year in September of 2019 for them to finally change their position and publicly admit that the pilots had told the truth. This opened the door for other high-profile figures to acknowledge the existence of UFOs. These included former CIA Director John Brennan and former President Barack Obama. In an interview on CBS's The Late Late Show, Obama remarked, quote, There's footage and records of objects in the skies that we don't know exactly what they are. We can't explain how they moved or their trajectory. More news from Washington quickly followed. In June of 2019, 
The Pentagon gave a classified briefing on UFOs to several members of Congress. These included Senator Mark Warner and Senator Marco Rubio, who was then the chair of the influential Senate Intelligence Committee. For several hours, high-ranking Navy, Air Force, and DOD officers shared what they knew about intruders in American airspace. Then, Senator Rubio personally interviewed the sailors and airmen who'd encountered unexplained phenomena. And the more he learned, the more terrified the senator became. For Rubio, the briefing was life-changing. He now saw UFOs as a potentially deadly national security concern. In his mind, anything that flew unannounced over restricted airspace was a threat to America. Whether it was an alien spaceship or an advanced foreign adversary, he wanted it stopped. Within the month, Rubio convinced the Senate Intelligence Committee to vote on a new provision for the next year's budget. Unlike prior years, he wanted the Department of Defense and other agencies to gather all UFO-related intel and release it publicly. Unfortunately, the bill didn't pass muster in the full Senate. Undeterred, Rubio set to work reviving it, and the Pentagon set about its own course of action. In August 2020, it established a new task force. Much like projects Sign, Grudge, Blue Book, and ATIP, this group wanted to collect data on UFOs. Though they were all different programs in size, scope, and execution, their objective was the same determine their national security risk from UFOs. And around this time, Senator Rubio found a way to present his intelligence provision again, now within a new bill, a $2.3 trillion COVID-19 relief package. This time, no one tried to remove it. As senators haggled over funding for various programs, Rubio's UFO gambit remained hidden. In December 2020, Former President Donald Trump signed the bill into law. It was a hard bipartisan victory that brought economic relief to millions of Americans. Yet it also contained a demand, buried within the section on funding for intelligence agencies that brought joy and trepidation to the UFO community. A full, federally funded report on unidentified aerial phenomena and the newly formed task force to create it had just 180 days to provide the public with answers. Coming up, the American people finally hear the truth about UFOs. Hola. Hello, this call is being translated. Abuela, listen to what my phone can do. Abuela, escucha lo que mi teléfono puede hacer. Wow, ahora dime sobre tu novia nueva. Wow. Now tell me about this new girlfriend. Huh? Tú sabes lo que dije. You know what I said. Language is no longer a barrier, thanks to Live Translate with Galaxy AI on Samsung Galaxy S24 Ultra. Learn more at Samsung.com. Samsung account login required. Calls must be made using the native Samsung dialer. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. 
So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. And now, back to the story. In December 2020, a massive bipartisan infrastructure package passed to great fanfare. Top of its bill was COVID-19 relief funding. Yet one of its most surprising provisions was buried and might have been missed by the casual reader. The section, titled Advanced Aerial Threats, was sandwiched between a paragraph on tax exemptions for intelligence officers and a mandate to beef up security for military bases. Authored by Senator Marco Rubio, it opened with a broad criticism about how the government handled UFO reports. Since the close of ATIP, information sharing between all federal agencies had been haphazard when it came to unknown aerial phenomena. And likely because of the stigma attached to UFOs, senior leaders hadn't given the topic the attention it deserved. To rectify this, Rubio's committee ordered the Director of National Intelligence, Avril Haynes, to compile a report within 180 days. It had to include a detailed analysis of all UFO data from all major agencies. In order to obtain this information, the committee singled out the Office of Naval Intelligence and the FBI, both of which supposedly carried out investigations into the phenomena. There was to be a top priority given to incidents that happened inside restricted airspace. The committee also had three more requests of Director Haynes. First, she was to create a clear chain of command when it came to who was in charge of UFO data within the government and what their responsibilities included. Since ATIP was unknown to most Pentagon officials, Rubio wondered if any other groups were operating in the shadows. Next, Haynes was to evaluate the national security implications of UFOs and make recommendations for the future. The purpose of this was to determine if these so-called anonymous aerial vehicles were dangerous and what the military could do about them. And finally, Haynes was ordered to make the report public. There would be an option to add a classified subsection, but that was it. Through interviews, videos, radar data, and satellite images, the American people would finally get the truth. Or at least a taste of it. According to Luis Elizondo, 180 days wasn't nearly enough time for such a momentous undertaking. Six months may seem generous, but federal bureaucracy often moves at a snail's pace. Plus, DNI researchers would have to collect and sort through mountains of data from more than a dozen federal agencies. Not to mention, this project wasn't Haynes' only responsibility. Day to day, she had her hands full addressing security threats from around the world. These included cyber attacks from Russia and China, proxy wars funded by Iran, and a resurgent Taliban which would soon overwhelm Afghanistan. In that context, it was impossible for UFOs to be at the top of the director's priority list. The sheer size of this undertaking made many people fear it would be delayed beyond its June 2021 delivery date. Some ufologists believed the government would lie, others were more hopeful and wondered if, even slowly, they'd finally see proof of extraterrestrial life. 
On June 25th, 2021, the moment the world had been waiting for since Kenneth Arnold first saw flying disks over Mount Rainier in 1947 arrived. Haynes' office released a nine-page preliminary report summarizing what they'd learned so far. And their findings didn't disappoint. The first page opened with an executive summary of the project's scope and discoveries. It didn't mince words. UFOs were real, and they were a vital national security concern. The authors then explained how they'd arrived at these conclusions. They started by picking 144 UFO-related incidents to examine closely. Most involved Navy or Air Force pilots who had been flight training when they were interrupted by a UFO. 80 of them had data from multiple sensors, such as radar or infrared cameras. The majority of these cases were unremarkable. The vehicles, while still unidentified, moved in ways that could be explained by modern technology. But not all of them. In 18 incidents, pilots saw UFOs that appeared to defy the laws of physics. They stayed motionless in heavy winds, moved inexplicably fast, or instantaneously changed directions in midair. However, the authors stopped short of saying they were extraterrestrial in origin. They asserted that UFOs had a range of explanations and classification needed to take place on a case-by-case basis. Generally, most sightings can fit into one of five categories. Airborne clutter, natural atmospheric phenomena, secret prototype aircraft, foreign aircraft, and, of course, the vague catch-all of other. Airborne clutter and natural phenomena referred to ordinary things like birds, commercial drones, and weather-related phenomena. For example, tiny ice crystals sitting on an infrared lens might look like a huge aircraft far away. Even plastic bags might moonlight as UFOs if pilots couldn't identify them as trash. Secret military tests could also be confused for UFOs, and in fact, many have. For example, some UFOs spotted over Area 51 during the 1950s turned out to be the highly classified U-2 plane. The same goes for foreign aircraft. Unlike previous decades, when America held the most sophisticated air force on the planet, the past 10 years have brought change. Countries like Russia and China have caught up and may even possess aerial technology that outpaces our own. The first four categories aligned with what the government had been saying for decades about UFOs. That is, they always have an explanation. However, it's the fifth and last category of the report that's most intriguing. Other. These were the stories that didn't fit the ones that couldn't possibly be true or indicated technology so advanced that modern science doesn't have an explanation for it. Though again, a senior official pointed out that other wasn't synonymous with aliens. That careful word choice actually irritated many in the UFO community. David McDonald, director of the Mutual UFO Network, was underwhelmed. 
He'd spent decades investigating UFO sightings, alien abductions, and paranormal events. To him, the report simply repeated what he already knew. But for millions of people, this was a milestone moment. As of July 6, 2021, more than 40% of Americans thought that some UFOs were alien spacecraft, a number up nearly 10% from the year before. For the first time in history, the government admitted there were things in the sky that simply couldn't be accounted for. And these flying gadgets could be dangerous. In 11 instances, pilots nearly collided with these objects in midair. Furthermore, many UFOs they examined appeared near military installations tasked with safeguarding America's security. In acknowledgement of the potential threats that UFOs present, the memo's authors offered a few solutions. To start, they recommended that the government create a standardized reporting mechanism for UFOs across all branches of the armed forces. All UFO-related information will be funneled directly to the newly formed task force. Considering that the U.S. had nearly 6,000 reported UFO incidents in 2019, the director requested more funding from Congress to scale up the operation. The task force will also employ advanced artificial intelligence to sift through those reports and look for patterns. Then, investigators will follow up on events that indicate advanced technology may be present. According to the Director of National Intelligence, UFOs, or UAPs as they call them, are real. They do pose a threat to flight safety and maybe even national security. And perhaps more importantly, we still don't know what they are. They could be plastic bags or alien spacecraft. Each case is different, and only time will tell as the task force begins to parse them out. We should stress that the ODNI report is merely preliminary. While the director was scheduled to update Congress with a new collection strategy and revelations, it's unclear if those hearings have already happened. That isn't surprising, granted that numerous congressional hearings are closed until there is a consensus on releasing their findings. So for now, we'll have to wait for updates on this particular intelligence report. But what we can say is that it looks like the age of UFO secrecy is coming to an end. Unless that's just what we're supposed to believe. Because as some people have pointed out, the report may actually have a more sinister purpose than it appears. Next episode, we'll look at three conspiracy theories related to the report and UFO government surveillance. Like conspiracy theory number one, the report is a smokescreen designed to hide how much the U.S. government really knows about aliens. And conspiracy theory number two, the government has been secretly surveilling UFO witnesses for years under the guise of national security. And finally, conspiracy theory number three, Tom DeLong's To the Stars Academy is a tool for the government to control the flow of UFO-related information. With the stigma lifted, we're sure to read a lot more stories from credible witnesses. And with any luck, 
They may unlock some of the universe's deepest held mysteries, perhaps revealing clues about our own place within it. Thanks for tuning in to Conspiracy Theories. We'll be back next time for part two of UFO Government Surveillance. For more information on the history of UFO programs in the U.S., check out our four-part series, UFOs Declassified, on Unexplained Mysteries. You can also hear more on the Tic Tac, Go Fast, and Gimbal episode on Supernatural with Ashley Flowers. You can find all episodes of Conspiracy Theories and all other Spotify originals from ParCast for free on Spotify. Until then, remember, the truth isn't always the best story. And the official story isn't always the truth. Conspiracy Theories is a Spotify original from ParCast. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler. Sound design by Dick Schroeder, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Bruce Katovich. This episode of Conspiracy Theories was written by Xander Bernstein, with writing assistance by Amber Hurley and Mackenzie Moore. Fact-checking by Anya Bayerly and research by Coleman Gray. Conspiracy Theories stars Molly Brandenburg and Carter Roy. I'm Sarah Turney, host of the new Spotify original from ParCast, Disappearances. Every Thursday, join me for an exploration into history's most gripping missing persons cases. Following timelines, analyzing clues, and piecing together as many answers as possible to find the truth. From prison breaks and child abductions to second chances and even murder, we'll journey through the many reasons people disappear. Follow my new podcast, Disappearances, free and only on Spotify. Spotify.